Hello, this is Elizabeth Spring from NorthNodeAstrology.com. And today I have a really personal, interesting, poignant story to share with you. It's uh, part of a chapter of my book, North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and Soul Purpose. And it's called Healing the Wounded Heart, The Alchemy of Desire. And... I don't want to say too much about it, but let's just say it's 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 a story that's very close to my heart, and I it was printed initially many many years ago in a magazine called Spirit of Change, and I'm going to be sharing this with you today, and I hope you like it. Hello again, this is Elizabeth Spring from North Node Astrology, and today I'm going to be reading from you um, a chapter, part of the chapter from North Node Astrology. That I, It's a very personal memoir piece, but I want to include it anyway because it really wraps astrologically around everything else that's within the book, and it's called Healing the Wounded Heart, the Alchemy of Desire. You seem to have led a charmed life, her words echoed uncomfortably in my ears. Yes, after 20 years of marriage, all the visible markers of a charmed and successful life were in place, a healthy child, a thriving business, and a beautiful home. But something was wrong, and I knew that beneath the beautiful backdrop of my life was an inner hunger so strong it was boring a hole through my stomach. I had an ulcer, as well as a fiery nature that fueled my dreams. I was 46 years old. It was clear that my partner and I were developing different interests, but wasn't that normal? Where once we had worked in tandem on so many projects, we now worked independently, and what fired me up left him cold. Despite all my noble efforts to create the good life, a sadness seemed to be creeping in, showing me that the life that once seemed to be good enough for us wasn't enough. In my husband's chart, I saw that transiting Saturn was conjuncting his moon, a frequent signature for serious events, if not depression or exhaustion. A slow fear began to envelop me. Whether I plunged into my work or de developed my friendships or quietly grieved with my journal, there was no relief. There were no excedrins for my heart. Because I owned a metaphysical bookstore at the time and have read many of the books on relationships, I expected myself to move quickly beyond this confusion. But this journey was moving in a manner and time far beyond my control. My mind obviously didn't know what was happening, so my body began speaking up. Anxiety attacks arose within me for no known cause, and I would wake at four in the morning with bolts of electricity running through me. For months, my sleep was disturbed. As my body chemistry began shifting, I took myself to a therapist, a man who loved the books in my shop and who had a gutsy acceptance of the dark side of life. Because I believe the spiritual and the emotional are so bound up with issues around forgiveness of our humanness, I chose a man who was familiar with this territory. I didn't want to do a spiritual bypass on anything. I wanted to question myself, my partner, my spirituality, my expectations, and to fix it.
Instead, my therapist gave me a copy of a letter that Carl Jung wrote in Bullingen, Switzerland, in August of 1945. Here's a part of it. Dear Frau Frobe, there can be no resolution, only patient endurance of the opposites, which ultimately spring from your own nature. You yourself are a conflict that rages in itself and against itself in order to melt its incompatible substances, the male and the female, in the fire of suffering, and thus create that fixed and unalterable form which is the goal of life. Everyone goes through this mill, consciously or unconsciously, voluntarily or forcefully. We are crucified between the opposites and delivered up to the torture until the reconciling third takes shape. Do not doubt the rightness of the two sides within you, and let whatever may happen, happen. The apparently unendurable conflict is proof of the rightness of your life. A life without inner contradiction is either only half a life, or else a life in the beyond, which is destined only for angels. But God loves human beings more than angels. With kindest regards, yours sincerely, C.G. Jung. Reading that letter felt nurturing on a soul level, but a harsh reminder that there was going to be no quick fix. In fact, the issues to come up were not even about my marriage, but were about my inability to forgive a betrayal in friendship and the constant pain of dealing with the suffering of my aging mother. Week after week, I turned my attention to the work I was doing with the therapist, and I began feeling loved, heard, understood. I became receptive to his wise words and to the process we were involved in, and I began seeing more meaningful connections in my life. I learned how to hold and protect myself by aligning myself with a higher power, and soon felt full enough to forgive my friend and to endure my mother's suffering and constant needs. As an only child, I had always suffered the responsibility of her life in a way that was without boundaries. Now I was learning what was mine to heal and what was not. I also felt how the deep and intimate relationship with the therapist stood in sharp contrast to the lack of intimacy in my marriage. I began aching for that type of emotional presence that I had transferred onto my therapist. I tried to bridge the gap gap with my husband, but it felt as if we had no common language and little energy for it. We felt powerless and without words together. He also wasn't feeling good. He looked exhausted from his work. In his own way and without words, he was hurting deeply and grieving too. I, however, was not only in the process of self-discovery and healing, but of living an illusion of sorts. I had projected my soul, my animus, as the Jungians would say, onto my analysts and withdrew energy from my marriage. I turned to the therapy, to books, to God, to going back to school, to writing. My expectations of how it should all be were falling apart, but I was going as fast as I could to hold on to something. As time went on and the dependency and transference of love to my therapist slowly began to release itself, I felt the growing pains of my neglected marriage. 
I was plain lonely and couldn't deny that I was moving through hell like Persephone, always struggling to get unstuck and up into the light again. But by then, my partner had disassociated himself from my hell, my pain, and withdrew himself into his work. I felt that I was alone and holding all the darkness and pain of our life. I wrote poetry and yearned for a deeper love. As the denial of our failing marriage fell away, we tried in all the old ways to be responsible to our duties, and we tried couples counseling, but it simply brought up more sadness. Synchronistic events often mark transitions, and that winter the diamond literally fell out of my wedding ring and was lost. With a cold and poignant sweetness, My partner and I decided to try to give each other the only thing that was left, freedom. Yet nothing changed in our lives until my body demanded to be heard. Astrologers often say that when the heart is unhappy, the moon, our emotional nature, shows how it feels through the body somatically. I went for a mammogram and it came back undeniably questionable. It looked like cancer. After many x-rays, I was advised to go to a Boston specialty clinic and get the definitive results. Their machines could tell in a day if I had cancer or not. My husband didn't offer to go with me that day. This emergency was seen as part of my fearfulness, my dark drama, not his. A friend went with me that crucial day as I found out I was not a victim to cancer, but to a broken heart. Someone once said to me a rather sexist comment about separations. Women grieve, men leave. Perhaps it is the feminine in all of us that grieves and the masculine part that takes action. Well, that day I clearly saw the strains of a self-imposed victimhood and chose to leave. The masculine part of me rose up in anger, in freedom, and in the middle of a raging snowstorm I moved out. I found a new place to live that very day and summoned up all the courage I could to face the inevitable void. The planet Uranus was opposing my natal Mars then, and I felt impatient, scared, perimenopausal, and impulsive. It wasn't so bad at first. With a new apartment, my creative juices flowed into making a new nest for myself. My husband and I agreed to never talk badly about each other, especially in front of our teenage daughter, and we explained our separation to her in the most compassionate of ways. She, in turn, was compassionate with us and never took sides or complained. We seemed blessed with no high drama, so I thought maybe we could all just get over this, let go for a while, and get on with our life. But all the beautiful and sweet moments of our marriage and family life kept creeping back into my psyche, The feminine grieving had a grip on me. I couldn't let go, and I found myself crying at every turn. I've heard it said that suffering is a hard kind of grace that teaches us compassion. For 20 years, I'd worked on a dream that was now shattered, and I expected myself to just get over it. My persona of self-sufficiency hid my aching desire to be held in a sweet surrender in a lover's heart. I was just beginning a crash course in compassion, compassion for myself and for all others who have lived through great suffering.
Is it trite to say I was finally getting in touch with my true feelings? That I was outraged, terribly sad, and pissed as hell that it might take a very long time before I could go for more than a couple of hours or a couple of days without crying. Dating seemed like the best cure, or was it revenge? And it did feel good to have those highs of being seen and heard and courted. Yet by the end of that summer, I stopped my dating. And that's when he began his serious dating. At this point, all I could do was grieve and rage at our loss. It must have been toxic right down to my gut, for when my body acted up again, this time it was a serious attack of appendicitis that put me in the hospital for over a week. This was a transiting Uranus moon aspect. The toxicity had spread, and at one point I thought that death was not a totally unwelcome probability. My old therapist visited me daily. My husband, who was very busy with his new love at this time, went through the motions of getting me released from the hospital, but he wasn't willing to sit with me and me in my fragile state. Twenty years of marriage sat face to face with twenty days of his new love, and she won. I remember the night before leaving the hospital. I raged at his coldness, wrote volumes in my journal, and thought, I don't have to burn anymore. I can choose to let it go. Nearly exhausted but fueled by my anger, I got out of my hospital bed, turned up the music on my radio, and began dancing like a naked, solitary spirit, moving my body slowly and rhythmically, letting it all go once again. I was being released. Something new was being born in me at that very moment. My natal moon sign in Aries had suffered a serious blow. However, the Aries, Aries archetype is known not only for anger, but for the ability to survive. The next day, I felt a great sense of gratitude for simply being alive. I pondered my choices, and knowing that my Libra sun sign was conjunct Neptune, I had to get over feeling the victim and feeling that someone had to rescue me. I knew I had to endure some suffering, but I also knew I didn't have to shame or blame or feel crazed. So when my ex came to release me from the hospital, I had journaled, danced, prayed, and burned through to the place in me which knew that we were each doing what was right for us now. Letting go is what I do now over and over again. I realize how hard it is for me to let go to all the ways of thinking that trick me into believing that I am separate from the rest of humanity and special in my suffering. It's always a good idea to look at the blind spot in our charts, to the sign and house where Neptune is, so that we see where we may feel especially confused, without boundaries, and permeable to all the moody states of illusion and disillusion. These are all Neptune's realms. In my birth chart, Neptune is in the seventh house of marriage and one-on-one -on -one relationships, and it is here that I can fall into these illusory traps of self-deception, wavering judgment, and hopes for redemption. Yet it's here, too, that I feel spirit in my life and sense a spiritual process that is greater than my small ego. In one-on-one -on -one relationships, I find and lose myself over and over again. As a counselor or in therapy, in marriage, or with close friends, 
It's an intense dance for me. Neptune is the planet of spirit and not an easy one to hold on to tangibly. In Vedantic Hinduism, they teach a way through these Neptunian mirages. They say we need to find what is true by finding what is not true. They call it neti neti, meaning it's not this, not that. And in finding what is illusory, we can find what is true beyond the realms of illusion and duality. Most spiritual traditions encourage us to accept the idea that we are held lovingly in the heart of God and grounded in a oneness into which we can let go. I've been looking at this, testing it almost, and there does seem to be elements of grace and synchronicity that move through me when I trust and let go. It's a good practice, this neti neti. The poet Wendell Berry put it well when he said, willing to die, you give up your will. Keep still until, move by what moves all else, you move. Poetry and prayer are also powerful messengers and healers. When I'm feeling vulnerable and being the earnest, striving person that I often am, then I tell God what I need. That's one form of prayer. But when I live from the part of me that trusts, then I listen and ask rather than talk. Another form of prayer. And I've been wondering lately, what is God asking me to see or let go of at this moment? At these times, I often find or write a poem that speaks directly to my heart. There's often a question of being asked or answered, and when I'm receptive, I get it. Get what? The answer I get is to go on being a person worth loving and to cocoon, that is, to process what's happening by giving myself some simple time and space without expecting too much too soon. And as I <clears throat> excuse me, and as I began doing this, I began to suspect that I'd been unconsciously orchestrating a release from this relationship that simply had run its course. Astrology reference books are always teaching this harsh sense of karmic responsibility when it comes to describing a difficult transit by saying this may happen to you, or you may find yourself creating the circumstances to bring this event about. Hmm. And so we are constantly reminded to move from an attitude of victimhood and blaming to one in which we own our own power and accountability. Cocooning has its own rewards. While my heart waits to know one's special love again, there is still grace and synchronicity everywhere and I strive to be busy with the work I feel called to do. Sometimes I doubt myself, but mostly I have faith. I believe now that as my heart was breaking, it was also breaking open and softening rather than closing and hardening. I've been choosing to soften and to honor the truth of my story. Despite the wounds I gave and received, I strive to look at this separation with spiritual eyes sensing that there is a meaning and a blessing here. Cocooning into a greater consciousness is the great work for me now, and it's a daily job that brings not joy, but contentment. And when I feel the little unexpected graces, that surprise call from an old friend, perhaps, then I know that while my heart heals, I am being held and I trust. That was what I wrote at the time of my separation. 
That was published in the magazine Spirit of Change. And four years later, I wrote this for the same magazine. It was another article, quote, 20 years married, four years divorced, and now we're six months into seriously dating again. It's not an uncommon scenario, but it certainly is one that makes people smile when we tell them how our divorce didn't work. Like a good ending to a movie, love survives sometimes. Some people can heal. We're hoping we can. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to continue uh, with this story and more of the chapter and more of the second article that I wrote for Spirit of Change magazine. But I hope you've got something out of this story today, this memoir. And um, if you are interested, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast or give it a review, you know, go to your Apple store. You'll find a place there where you can write a review or give a comment. Um, also, this uh, what I was reading today is from my book, North Node Astrology, Rediscovering Your Life Direction and Soul Purpose. And if you want to find me for a reading, go to northnodeastrology.com. That's all for today. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.